This is the, the different things at different times that we teach. Some are kind of um, really sharing, expounding the word. Some things are exaltational. Some things are instructional. This one today is what I would call more ministry orientated. This today uh, opens up the opportunity to receive and to be changed by the very thing that we're going to be looking at. So I would like you to, you don't have to, but I mean the opportunity is there, to kind of listen in um, with a view to what God is saying and with a view to saying, what is in this for me? And I believe God doesn't just say something. I believe he confirms his word with signs following. So my expectation, therefore, is that as we talk about this, uh, if there's something which you think, huh, that, that's me, I could do with that, that this would be the time when you could expect... God would meet you in a very special way. And when we come to breaking bread, because we believe, even as remember the death, as the forerunner of the resurrection, uh, we believe that there's a special time of God's healing power. If you misuse this, that doesn't go right. But there's, on the converse, a special time and place of healing. What I've put a title on this today is the resurrection which we're celebrating meant the death of rejection the power of the resurrection overcame sin and the effects of sin and we can live in the freedom that was obtained through that sacrifice and through that resurrection so That's where we're going. That's where we're going to look at. I want to give you a little Bible story. How many of you know, lots of you would know the story of David and uh, killing the giant, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amazing story. And uh, when they returned, uh, very successful from this, Remember, David was just like a a shepherd boy and uh, the king was pleased that the giant had been conquered but not so pleased when he heard this. When the men returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet the king, King Saul, with singing and dancing. That was pretty good. I mean, that's rejoicing with joyful songs, with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, David, Saul has slain his thousands, David, his ten thousands. It produced a reaction in Saul. Actually, he's very angry. See, you can certainly say that he was experiencing a rejection. You know, after all, he's the king, the shepherd boy. And they're saying the shepherd boy killed his 10,000, Saul his thousands. So there is no question that he was in a form being rejected. 
The issue was how he was responding to that rejection. And that's where I want us to go so that we can identify the... I mean, we live in a world, there's no doubt, probably everybody here could explain an experience of being rejected, being passed over, being cast aside in some way, not being preferred. But it's the result of that and the effects of that that we want to see and have a look at. So there's no query about being rejected. There's no query here about being rejected, but it's the response. You see, his identity was placed in the fact that he was better than anybody else. He killed more. Um, And you know, what we're going to come to is... is What does God say? What is God's view? And that's where the transaction and the change takes place. Because, to be honest, I don't care what anybody might have told you, any religion might have told you, The only thing that keeps us out of receiving what God has prepared for us, often called heaven, and sends us to the other place is never about how good we've been or how bad we've been or what things we've done or if we've been religious. The only thing that ever sends us uh, away from God into this hell is to reject Jesus. That's the only thing. And the truth is that he accepts us where and how we are. It's very interesting, some of the verses you look at. uh, In Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all those who labour. And you think labour is sort of digging the roads or things like that. But what he's really talking about is labouring at trying to be perfect, Uh, beating ourselves with guilt for failing, trying to be acceptable. And he said, you know, they ain't going to work. You're never going to achieve that. But I have provided a way for you to gain the benefit of that. Let's just have a little quick look at that so we know that this is uh, exactly what he said. He said this, Uh, He was despised, this is Isaiah 53, and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Surely he took our infirmities, carried our sorrows. In other words, he received that, all that rejection and all that suffering on our behalf so that he could be the one who relieves us and releases us from living under that. That's his purpose. It's the same way he took our punishment of sin upon himself so that he can forgive us and we can go free, which primarily means that we can come into the life and into the, into the walk and into the, what God has designed for us rather than living a substandard place outside of that. So, by the way, I, I'm assuming you will understand what I mean by rejection, but it's um, being sort of cast aside um, or 
having no value, that kind of thing, yeah? Um, but he received all that upon himself. He was God incarnate, sacrifice for our sins. See, the pain of rejection is one of the worst pains that you can actually experience. It's not a physical pain, but it's something that gnaws deeply at the inside. So deep, it can produce some pretty powerful reactions, as it did in Saul, with his anger and desire to, to kill. So we're going to have a look and see how Jesus handles these problems of rejection and to, to come to see how he provided complete resolution. That's not by like a, how much psychoanalysis we can have or therapy or whatever. He, he has a much more direct route. But look, let's, let's bring it into, into the sort of reality. Some of the symptoms. Uh, let me just run through a list because... I suppose that most of us can fairly easily and quickly identify, but sometimes we're aware of things, but we're not aware of the root of it. And today, because resurrection, his overcoming sin, is the end. It, it brings the death of rejection. It can be completely dealt with. Rebellion can be a symptom. Pretending to be somebody you aren't in order to be accepted. Trying to put up a, a kind of special, more acceptable front. Sometimes it's expressed in uh, rejecting others first. You know? I'll reject you so there's no danger of you being able to reject me. It's a kind of... Uh, uh, almost like a defense response going on the attack. Always wondering if the other person rejects or accepts you. How do they feel about me? What are they thinking about me? Or a kind of, oh, I don't really fit in here, uh, kind of, sort of self-pity thing. Yeah, nobody really wants me. Nobody's really interested in me. Or rejecting even the physical features. You know, I blame God for the shape of my nose. I don't, actually. You know, that's my rich heritage that has given me that, which Daniel has now told me, having researched it. Wonderful. Feeling worthless, insecure, hopeless... That can, they can all be symptoms of rejection. You know, the more we look at this, the more we think, you know what, I don't want any of that. I, I would be a lot happier and a lot better off without that stuff uh, in my life. Um, it can go the other way. Uh, like an opinionated personality. Um, just trying to make their presence felt, it's, it's again another symptom. Can even be, uh, sometimes you meet someone and they always have to be the expert on whatever you're talking about, even if they've got very little understanding about it. Problem to admit 
that you're wrong or to receive constructive criticism. That can be another symptom. See, if our basis of identity, who we are, depends on our ability to be right about everything, then we're dealing with a root of rejection. If somebody disagrees with me, that can, that can have that effect. I perceive it's as rejection. They don't really like me or they don't really accept me simply because they happen to be disagreeing with me. I don't like to make plans. I don't like to uh, initiate things. I don't like to make offers of help because I'm fearing that it won't be accepted. Notice the word that crept in there. See, rejection is very closely related to fear. Well, I don't really, I don't really mind. They didn't invite me, but I didn't really want to go anyway. Uh, and uh, I've got other things planned. So uh, actually, I'm, I'm quite okay. And, and I, there's better people to spend time with. Slight overreaction. Overreaction to being left out. I don't really feel anything. Don't really feel anything. Feelings are too painful. I've shut them off. Part of a symptom, fruit of rejection. Convinced you're not really wanted anyway. So, some of the symptoms. What's the cause? Sin is the cause. You see, instead of having fellowship with God, when man sinned, he rejected God. Started right there in Genesis. Next thing he rejects is his wife. Next thing he rejects is his brother. I mean, it's, it's, it's a disease that has a progression. Now, you can't stop rejection happening, but receiving it is the problem. See, if we receive rejection, that's sin, because we're receiving something which God said, I have carried that for you. I've taken that for you. We don't have to live under that. We don't have, that doesn't have to be our persona, our course of life. And if we receive, we refuse to receive something that has, God has done for us, then we're actually going against what God has and what his plan. And that's where it comes in. That unwillingness to accept that he has made provision for us. He made provision for our victory over all rejection. So sin can be a cause, lack of a father's love, heavenly father, but also a natural father. Um, that can have that uh, cause. Um, how different it is to what... You remember the story of uh, the parable of the prodigal son? 
the father out looking to receive the son that had gone astray, um, feeling compassion, embracing him, kissing him, receiving him. See, for those of us that did not have the benefit of a father's love, as it should be, then our father, our heavenly father, has made all provision that we can receive in him all that healing and all that grace that is necessary. So he doesn't have people who limp through. His people don't have to limp through life. They live victoriously because Jesus rose and conquered sin. He rose from the dead. And that's what we're celebrating today. See, I want us to understand that the devil doesn't, doesn't plant like a, a seed of rejection. It's a root. Now, the difference between seed, I mean, seed can be on the surface or quite close. The root goes down and can go very deep. And it's dealing with the root of it, not just the apparent effect of it. Lack of expression, um, affection, that can cause it. Lack of acceptance, Some people strive to perform because the only acceptance they, often in their background and in their childhood, the only acceptance that they understood was if they performed well. So they live a life on performance acceptance. I will strive to perform well because then I might be accepted. Very damaged position. You see, when we, come to, when we come to know God, when we give our lives over to him, it, we come to a place where his opinion of us is the only one that really counts. We're accepted in the beloved. If God be for me, who can be against me? And we'll have a little look at Peter in a moment as an example. When you think of the way Jesus treated him uh, when he was manifesting those things, I think we learn something about how God goes and treats us. See, circumstances of life, let's be real, go very deep. Some of you have experienced extreme levels of rejection. Others would maybe just have a kind of idea of what I'm talking about. But remember, today we're looking at ministry time, a time of healing, a time of applying what Christ obtained for us in his death and resurrection. See, he, he created us, and he's the one who, who has to reach in to heal us. Nothing else really is ever going to work. Uh, It's what he does that works. And some of those deep circumstances can only be resolved on the basis of what God does and what he is. So let's think about that a little bit. If we reject him, 
Others can't do what only he can do because he's paid the price to do it. Sometimes people reject themselves. That's a very difficult and painful thing. They reject themselves often because they haven't really forgiven themselves for, for some past failure. But you see, here's the issue. If God has forgiven you, and you are not forgiving yourself, you're actually out of step with God. And God provides the same power for you to be able to forgive yourself as he does for you to be able to forgive others or gain his forgiveness. It's all about God's power, but it's also connected with our choice. When we think about rejection and the fear of man, which I've said very close, I was listening to something the other day, and uh, or reading something, I can't remember now, I think I was reading something, and I got this phrase, what can another person's thoughts do to me? Not a lot. Whatever another person is thinking, they're thinking. It can't really do much to me. In a sense, that's their problem, not mine. I don't have to be affected by what other people are thinking. So all the things that come with that rejection, whether it's rebelling and bitterness or performance acceptance or depression or emotional lock-up or fear or giving in order to get approval or acceptance, all those things can be dealt with from the very root. In life, when you get to, to know people, you find that many people feel unwanted and disqualified and unaccepted. Oh, there may be an exterior that's quite different to that, but inside, that's how they really are. And often that's covered. Bible talks about that. It says, a crushed or a wounded spirit, who can bear? Saying that that's an extreme situation. And God has provided a place of safety and healing. Let's have a little look at how he handled Peter. Um, I kind of always have a great I don't know if it's sympathy or um, you know, Peter sort of rushed in. Uh, he acted first and worried about it afterwards. And he got it wrong sometimes, but also he got it right sometimes, you know. So. But um, he rejected Jesus, and because of his own failure, he rejected himself. You remember when he said to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him, he said, Lord, I'm ready to go anywhere with you. And then before Jesus was crucified, or after he was crucified, he was identified as being part of that discipleship group and denied him the three times. Uh, but it's very interesting that after, uh, and in one of the accounts it says it specifically, after Jesus had risen from the dead, this is what he does. Go and tell my disciples and Peter. See, we might reject him, he doesn't reject us. His attitude towards receiving 
is unchanging. He received him readily. And I mean, Jesus made the first step like he still does. In John 21, we see Peter had given up, he's off, he's gone fishing, going to do his own independent thing, he's going to try and pull his life back together. Even then he caught fish, which was a blessing of God. I mean, God's not a kind of punitive God, you know. Um, and then, then Jesus uses the very fish that he caught, uh, thus giving him that sense of worth. Jesus didn't regard failure as a reason for disqualification. You remember he's talked in the story about the 99 sheep and about going for the one that had gone astray. He didn't say, well, serves them right. They messed up, just leave them to it. No, no, that's not his attitude. And Peter really blew it. His strength failed, he came to the end of himself. And he got a bit of a history, you know. He slept when he should be praying. He thinks he's doing the right thing when he grabs a sword and cuts off the high priest's ear and Jesus has to heal the guy. He denies the Lord, he goes fishing, he leads other people in the wrong direction. But there's no accusation coming from Jesus. There's no sense of saying, I'm rejecting, he's receiving. All right, so let's, let's see. How is this matter dealt with? All right? Let's remember that Jesus handles us with care and compassion, doesn't condemn. And what's more, let me say again, provides healing for the deepest things within us. This is not about mind over matter. This is about God's power, which he has, and which he will be ready and willing to release to us And he has it because he conquered death and the enemy. So he provides healing, as we've just read from Isaiah, by his death and resurrection. See, we're created to be loved and accepted and appreciated. And rejection blocks that. We can't live in rejection. That's a a wrong place to be. Trying to protect ourselves, withdraw will never work. Others can't really help us. It's only God that can do it. And the issue of forgiving ourselves becomes important. His resurrection equals victory over sin and death, carrying away our rejection, reaches into the deepest parts. Then it's the whole issue of accepting. We're accepted in Christ. Man to God, man to man, man to self. All of those things are put in place. Then we can come into understanding the truth. Psalm 139, God made me as I am and he is well pleased. He accepts you. If you don't, you're out of step with him. Not everybody looks at me and thinks I'm a nice, friendly, happy face. What I tend to say, it's the face that God gave me 
if you have a problem with it, you probably best go to him about it. As for me, I'm kind of broadly accepting it. I've got used to it. Not just about the outside. God made me as I am. Ah, uh, here's an important thing. Uh, you can't you can't skip this step. Forgiveness. Forgiving those who rejected you actually releases them, but most especially releases you. That's the biggie. People that hurt and betrayed you in the past or now, forgiving them. And here's the good news. We make the choice. He gives us the power and the ability to do that. We can't do it on our own. Adjustment, facing up to the truth, changing where necessary. Yeah. And serving. That's a pretty good way because we're focused on what he wants us to do for others, not just what he wants or what we want for ourselves. So what to do? We bring that rejection to him because he alone is able to heal. He's trustworthy and he understands. You ever thought about asking the question, Lord, what do you think about me? Anybody ever thought about Lord, what do you think about me? It's a good question to ask. Because, you see, when we ask a question, we've got all sorts of ideas about what he must have seen. And I give you a clue to the answer. He probably will not go through all those things. Yeah, I saw you when you did that. I saw you when you thought that. I know what you're really thinking. We kind of think that might be included. But if we ask him, Lord, what do you think about me? You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, I love you and I receive you and you rightfully belong to me. That's what we need to be hearing. That's what we need to be receiving from him. He doesn't reject us because of our imperfections. We're not quite perfect. Even the Apostle Paul wasn't perfect. He was moving on to perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about receiving what God has for us. So there we are. Resurrection means the death of rejection. No matter how deep, no matter how strong, no matter how painful, how prevalent, the very fact that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered, conquered, overcame, means that we can receive everything that he purchased. Not only physical healing, but that healing, and particularly today, focus on Rejection. Now we're going to come to this time of just remembering not only his death, his blood shed, his body broken, but that that was part of the process for this great resurrection. And part of that 
provision of healing because he bore our rejection so that we don't have to live in it and under it. Now I know that many of you would have already identified with some of the things that I've said. But I'm not just interested in saying it so that you can identify with it. My interest is that having identified I need that and I choose and recognize that Lord you made provision that you bore my rejection and I don't need to carry it anymore and this day, today I'm choosing to release that and I'm choosing to receive your healing and maybe you're in a situation where you've never yet come to him in the first place never yet turned from yourself what a great time great moment in time this Easter day to say I choose to come as I am and give myself to you choose to submit to your rule this is what I suggest we do anybody can join in this nobody has to join in it I'd like the leaders group leaders um, youth leaders to come and I'd like you to serve people take the bread so that everybody has bread and then pass the cup around then I'd like you to get together again if you want to you don't have to get together with somebody and just focus on one thing say if I was talking to Naomi Naomi I'm thanking Jesus for this Naomi, what are you thanking him for? So that our focus, as we share the bread and wine, is on him. If you want to pray together, that's fine. Yeah? And then, if you decide you want to receive this healing, I'm going to be here with some of the others, and I want you to, to come here, and I'm just going to pray for you that God will confirm his word with signs following. Okay? So, leaders, if you'll all come, take some bread, share it around people, group leaders, youth leaders, worship leaders, whatever. Share it around. Can I just say, guys, I, I kind of feel that this is not a time to be talking about the weather or what you're having for dinner or the football. This is a time to be focused on him. That's why I'm saying, take that opportunity. Say, what do you think of Jesus? What does Jesus think of you? What do you feel you're thanking him for? Take that little conversation, share together, pray together. And then if you want prayer, come to this area here, uh, where, this area around where I am, and then we will pray for you. You can do all that at the same time.